Today we're going to be talking about this idea, not a clever idea on our part, because many times we're very scared of this idea, but an idea, a principle, a statement that the Bible makes clear that proclamation, proclaiming the message of Jesus is absolutely a necessity for our lives. It is good for us. It is good for others, and it brings glory to God. We're going to be talking about this, and, and sometimes that idea is it's very awkward. Because we think, I, I don't talk very well. I sometimes have that same feeling. And you may agree, because you're thinking, yeah, you sound kind of weird. And that's okay. But I had this terrible, uttering fear of speaking about Jesus for so incredibly long in my life. Kind of weird for someone who is a profession as a pastor, right? It sounds kind of odd and against each other. You see, I grew up, and, and I was kind of an artsy kid. I'll, I'll be honest. I, I was that guy that was in the musicals, and, and, I, and I, I did the, the show tunes, and I was in choir, and I was in band, and man, I loved movies. I was all about art, and, and guess what? I was not an athlete. I know you can look at me now and be like, yeah, that's pretty easy to picture. I was not an athlete. I was not good at sporting. It just didn't happen. You know, I love baseball. I love football. I love watching them. But I just, in competing, I just never was that great. And, and I play our, um, amateur, uh, men's softball league and those that play with me they're like yeah he's still not that great it's just not no it's like you know that kind of thing i'm just i'm just not that good at it but it is amazing how god can work beyond our weaknesses can take us and in somewhere where we are utterly frail and and afraid and have lack of courage and he can instill his virtue his ability his power to transform what is presented. I am utterly terrified every week I come in here. Every week. I'll be honest. You, you, I get up here and, and maybe you may think it looks easy. It is not. I am terrified that, you know what? I could say something stupid and someone could leave the room and be like, I don't love Jesus because of that guy. And that's terrifying. Maybe you've had the same fear. I, I don't know if I can share the gospel. What if I get something wrong? What if I get upset or too emotional and, and I push somebody away? But I've learned to trust that God can take a frail vessel, something that we would say is totally discounted and not even that great. And He can use that for His glory. He can provide His gifting. He can even take that vessel and wake it up whenever it's used for His glory to do something spectacular to do something fantastic something that says only god could do this that's why i'm thankful for those that are faithful to teach those that take that responsibility seriously that say you know what i'm not good at wording i don't speak good but i can and i will be faithful to share that message to others and maybe i'll be able to do it well maybe i'll even be able to do it with clarity and someone's life will be changed. Paul, the apostle, writing to the church at Corinth, 
He's going to share in this portion of his letter in chapter 14 of the book of 1 Corinthians. If you want to turn there in the Bible, um, if you have your copy of God's Word, uh, or if you have it electronically, like if you use version app that we like to use, uh, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen, but you can also reach in a pew in front of you, behind you, under you, and find a black Bible. And you can, if you need to find where that's at, you can turn to page 1019. We're going to read a little section of the Scripture and see what this letter is teaching us. Now, we've divided it to chapter 14, verses 1 through uh, 12. But I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word and the reading of it. Uh, and we're going to read it together. By the way, if you don't have a Bible and you have one of those in the pew um, in your hands right now, or you see one of those and you're like, hey, I want to like have one I can understand, please take that with you as our gift to you. It, it's, it's our great pleasure to provide those. Um, so here's what... The Apostle Paul wrote, now we understand whenever we're reading God's Word, God gave His Holy Spirit and inspired these men to write these words. He says in this letter to the church at Corinth, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another tongue is not speaking to people but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in other tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. So now, brothers and sisters... If if I come to you speaking in other tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? You see, even lifeless instruments that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the bugle makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle? In the same way, unless you're, you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will you, how will it, how will it spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. And there are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world. None is without meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker. And the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you. Since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Let's pause there. Lord God, I thank you for your word. And today I pray that you would help it be proclaimed today. That not because I am such a great teacher or any of that things. I know my frailty. I know my terror. And God, but I just I humble myself before you and ask that you would help me teach your word faithfully today. That we would see the power in your word. And how your word brings life change because it presents you the giver of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, we have a goal here at Eastgate, especially in our worship gatherings, pretty much in everything. We want to make it an opportunity to present the scriptures, to proclaim those to people because we believe that God's word does change hearts. Getting into people's hands, getting into their ears where they can hear, and getting into their hearts, it brings change. 
Not because we worship the Bible, but because we worship the God who gave us the Bible, who spoke it to us. It is His Word. And so we want people to understand it. We want people to gain understanding. And so we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians. You may think, wow, that is a weird passage. I did not expect to walk into a church my first time or or maybe been here many times and hear someone preaching, especially in a Baptist church, about saying tongues and prophecy and all that kind of thing. How do we get there? Well, that's a good thing about going through the Bible chapter by chapter. You're going to eventually come to stuff that you may not hear as often. But to gain a deeper understanding of, of the Bible and to present change and bring change in our life, God using that, it's going to happen when we first look at the Bible and say, what does it say? Seeing it, hearing it, reading it, studying it, meditating on it, having it available. I'm thankful we live in a place where we have this available to us. There are places that do not have the Bible in their language, or they don't have a written language. And communicating it is mere by passing words. We have it accessible to us. Available to us, freely open to it. We're not punishable by death to even read this. But we must hear it. We must see it. But then we must avoid the temptation to just kind of take this verse out and bloop, take this one out and bloop, and then here I'm going to post it on my Instagram or my Facebook or my Twitter, and that's going to be my life first, and that's the only Bible that ever applies to me. Or I believe applies to me. No, the whole Bible is given to us. All of it, the Bible tells us, is God-breathed. All of it is inspired. He breathed this out, just as He breathed breath into mankind. He says it's useful for correcting, for teaching, for rebuking at times. For building up the man of God so he may be adequately equipped for every good work. So we need this in our life. But we need to see what it says. Then we need to find out, well, it says this. What does that mean? Because sometimes we'll come to the patch like this and be like, I am confused. I'm not really sure. What does he mean by prophecy? Is that, is that like that stuff on TV that they have those specials every now and then? You know, back in the 90s when we had unsolved mysteries. Is that that kind of stuff? Is that what this is about? Is this some kind of weird woo stuff when he says prophecy? What does it mean? Obviously, it's not something that's foreign to God's idea, God's inspiration, so it has an application to us. So it means something. And because it means something, it's going to apply to our life, apply to what it meant then and how it has significance even now. But then we've got to come to terms because the Bible is not to be read just like any other book. Eventually we've got to come to the decision, okay, God has said this, now what am I going to do with it? Am I going to trust it? Am I going to be shaped by it? Am I going to be redefined by it? Or am I going to kind of be like about that because one is an act of faith and one is an act of rejection so paul is writing to this church as the author god is inspiring him to do so but he's writing to this church that he founded that he loves that he cares about but it's gotten this church has kind of gotten off rails it's not a church that he says oh i hear about all these problems let me just write them an angry anonymous email or something like that no god loves this church Paul loves this church, and Paul is writing to give them instruction in a way that sometimes seems a little harsh, but it's really done in love. But he's helping them to deal with their struggles and their difficulties, their lack of devotion, their apathy to doctrine and teaching. He's helping all these areas. And he's writing to show them, ultimately, that Christ has ownership. And if he has ownership, then he is the one that makes the rules. And we get the pleasure and privilege of living under those. And that God's rules are not some that 
that are meant to push us away. They're meant to draw us in and say, I have given you freedom. I have set you free and made you clean. Now, this is what it means to live fully in that. Sometimes people look at God's word and they think it's all constrictive. but They don't realize what God has done to bring salvation. So, in this section of this letter, as we're talking about being woke up and, and having these areas of our life illuminated, seeing the, the, the significance of them, we have to ask this question. What is the Scripture real to us about as the church about the significance of prophetic proclamation? A prophetic proclamation. First of all, I want to kind of clear something up. In times in the Bible, there were certain prophecies about what was to come. But these prophecies were not some off-the-wall, weird, strange revelations. In fact, they always went back to God's Word. That God said, this is who I am, I want you to know me. And many of the prophecies were about, this is God's character. This is who He is. This is how we know what is holy. Many of the prophecies talked about what the way we should walk and the, and, and the good way of life. And telling us the direction that that sets for us. He was saying what's ahead if we are obedient to the Lord. That would go back to Scripture. That God says, I will bless those that bless you. I will be with you as long as you obey my word. I will help heal your land. All these things go back to what God had already said. And then he would also say, some of those prophets would say, this is also some of the bad things will happen should you choose to disobey. Once again, going back to what God had already said in His Word. That if you choose to disobey Me, there will be consequence in the land. And then there were prophecies about how God would one day send a Messiah. Also going back to God's Word who said, one day I will send a deliverer. One day I will bless those who bless you and I will bring a blessing through you. I will bring redemption. All these are going back to what God has already said. In fact, it's just basically God restating Himself. Making it clear as we live this life. So none of this is ultimately new things that were never told before that were completely contrary to what God had said before. Most of it was forthtelling, Bringing forth what God had already said to the people that needed it. But the significance of this prophetic proclamation it leads us to see something. Verse 1 tells us that the pursuit of love, that when love is there and we see how we're loved by God and that fuels us, that moves us to continue living towards love, it's also going to lead us to understanding, greater understanding and discovering and deploying our spiritual gifts, that which God put in us to live out through us. That God has gifted each person for a capacity towards some type of ministry, some type of service, to have a passion for certain areas of life. Not everybody is going to be out and out passionate about the same things. Case in point, you can find people that are very passionate about baseball, but they may not be passionate about the same teams in baseball. They may not be passionate about the same cities. Now that's just an out out there, out at the wall, uh, worldly thing of separating this out. When it comes to things of faith, there are people that are very passionate for certain areas of ministry. It doesn't mean they don't care about other areas, but they're really passionate and focused about others. And they're gifted and given a capacity to serve in that. And they do it for two reasons. One, for the common good. That what God does in their life, it brings about a common good. It works good both within the walls and beyond them of the church. If you didn't know this, the church is meant to do good. It's meant to be a people who know what good is and live that goodness out and bring that goodness to others. If we're not doing that, 
we're missing something big. If we're not demonstrating it among one another, and if we're not replicating it out to the world, to whereas even the book of Acts said that whenever the church gathered together, they had the favor of both God and men. And there was something wholesome about their people together. It didn't mean they were perfect. It didn't mean that they were always upright. It didn't mean they always did everything exactly blameless. But they were seeking to live out the good that God was showing them from His Word. That was being proclaimed to them from His Word. And then they were deploying this so that the people would have the common good. But ultimately, in it, God would be glorified. That's going to happen in this pursuit of love. And in that pursuit of love, in among these spiritual gifts, you're going to see prophecy come to light. You're going to see people that prophesy. You see, Paul would say that the the prophetic proclamation of God's Word is a gift that is needed. It is desperately needed. And yes, as we talked about a couple weeks ago in chapter 12, this gift of prophetic proclamation of bringing forth God's Word and sharing it with others in a powerful way because they're in such communion with God, they have a desire to keep sharing it with others, we're going to see that it's going to be manifested as greater in some. There are going to be some that you're just like, wow, they have such a connection with God. They have such a love for His Word. They have such ability to, to teach that and share that. And sometimes they just share something that you know is directly from God's Word. It doesn't contradict it. It goes back to what He's already told us. But it wasn't something that was premeditated. It wasn't something like someone says, okay, let me figure out the fine points. Uh, let's see, I need to spell out an acrostic word. And I need to demonstrate that. And I have to memorize that and, and have all these symbols, you know, all these things. I have to have all this little piece of paper memorized. That's not it. Sometimes they have such a gift that they just, in a moment where a conversation comes up, bam, God's Word comes up to light and they're able to share it and it's just what is needed and timely for that moment. And it's going back to what God has already said. Not something new. Not something that is contrary. But go, it brings us back to what God has already confirmed. But here's the thing. There are people that you're going to see that manifested greater in their lives. But what Paul is saying is that it is to be evident in all disciples. It's going to be manifested as greater. You're going to see some have a greater ability. But that doesn't leave us with the excuse to say, well, I don't have that gift. I'm just not that person. I'm not that good. So God has made His Word accessible to us. He's given us the privilege of having it so close. And yet we feel like there's ability to write off an excuse and say, well, I'm just not good at that. So I'm not going to do that. I believe that's one of the reasons that we are so blessed as a nation, that we have such freedoms, that now we have been given such freedoms, and now let's take that responsibility and use it for God's glory and the common good for others that may not have that. We have these freedoms. And it's in the bringing forth of God's Word, the sharing it with others, is to be evident in all disciples. It's just like the, the gift of evangelism. There are some that have this uncanny ability to witness to a fence post and it'll get saved and baptized that same day. It is crazy. And they can say something super simple and the person's like, I'm ready to get saved. And there's some that will work and work forever witnessing to the same person. It may be years later that that person comes to faith. There's some that are going to have a greater ability, just God working through them in that way. But it doesn't excuse the rest of us from saying, well, that's just not my gift so I can write off that ability. God has called all of us to be witnesses. God has called all of us to be faithful with His Word and to proclaim what He has already presented forth. 
And when we do, it edifies the multitudes. It builds up the church. It does so by strengthening them. It gives that reinforcement that is necessary, that bolts them up. That they're not just wimpy, wimpy, wimpy when it comes to knowing God's Word. They're strengthened and firmed and, and, and their soul moves from being built of straw and hay to be reinforced with the steel of God's Word. It brings strength. Because you realize that I'm not just flying by the seat of my pants here. I'm not just trying to grasp at straws. I've got God's Word building this up that's saying this is the confirmation of His direction. It not only does that, it encourages it helps us to go that extra mile. It's that, that pep rally, that cheer that whispers in our ear that we know God has said this is good. God has said this brings Him glory. And it moves us forward. And it helps us move others forward. It also brings comfort because guess what? Not every day is good. Now every day is the day that God has made it. It's the day we can be glad in it. But that doesn't need to say that there are days that are bad days. There are seasons of drought and famine in our life. I understand those, those seasons of pain. And God's Word is given to us and it's proclaimed to us. When we hear it, when we study it, when we know it, when others bring it for us, it brings comfort to our souls. This is why it's to be evident in all disciples. See, if only a few did this, well, that, that God's Word, is, it's going to spread, but it's not going to spread as quickly. When it's given and, and useful to all and brought forth, it helps. Paul compares this to the idea of tongues. Now, I know in a Baptist church, talking about tongues is kind of a weird thing. Can I be a little odd? Because sometimes we're like, I don't know if we should go there, Pastor. I just don't know. And I shared with you a couple weeks ago that there are two viewpoints. I kind of float between them, honestly, of what certain spiritual gifts like tongues. Some believe in secessionists that after the early church days, certain gifts ceased. They no longer were brought forth gifts like healing and miracles and and uh tongues now there are some that believe that it's a continualist that it it does happen but where it happens and how it happens you know that that's a little bit up to to grabs in the church at corinth and apparently still a place today sometimes people see tongues as very exotic it's very intriguing People get zealous, like, ooh, that's a spiritual gift that looks really like, you gotta be like really close to God to get that, right? That's like, that's not like, that's like for the, that's like for the miniature Christian. That's not for the little, you know, wimpy, wimpy, wimpy Christian. That's for like the super spiritual, right? They're like, they're like, this close to Jesus. And that tendency even developed in the early church. To where there are all kinds of comparisons being like, well, that person speaks in tongues, so they're obviously better. So I'm going to try to imitate them. I'm going to try to do what they do. And Paul says, here's the problem with that. If it's not something that is guided by God, and it's not something that is actually building up the church, but is actually causing more division and more strife, and people are missing out on hearing the word faithfully proclaimed, then you're missing out. Then you're messing up. Because what you're doing is you're providing a sound that is indistinguishable for many people. You're providing a call that is not going to lead people to battle. In fact, Paul would even say in this, further on in this letter, he says, I would rather that five words of prophecy be spoken than a thousand words in tongues. He says there's no comparison between the two. That being able to faithfully proclaim God's Word is better than any other gift that is there. 
that is useful in the church. Because this is something that everybody can do. Not that the people that have the gift of prophecy are better than others, but this gift is something that everyone is actually capable of. Because God gives us the ability to communicate it. God has already given us the information. And when we do that, we see the background and substance of all proclamation. See what it does is it builds up the church. It does so, and in verse 5 it talks about what excel at what builds the church up. He says it's because it provides, a, one, a direct revelation of God. How can we really know who God is other than Him clearly saying, this is who I am? And that's why He's given us His Word. So we can know from Him. We can have revelation from Him. We can have knowledge of Him. We can actually see His character. We can actually grow closer to God. We can have the foretelling of truth that, that what God's Word has given us is not just some of it's true, some of it's not. All of it's true. Whether we like it or agree with it or not, it's true in what it presents to us. And it foretells that. It brings it forth to, to proclaim it to us. And then it teaches us the meaning. Sometimes we're like, well, I'm kind of confused with that. And then someone will say, well, that's okay if you're confused. Let me show you where the Bible really clarifies that. Like when people start looking at the messianic prophecies of Jesus, all these things that were foretold about a coming Savior. And they see all these things and they're like a bunch of weird statements just sporadically throughout the Scriptures. And then when you get to Jesus and you see them all put together, you're like, ah, well that's clarified. I see what's going on there. It teaches us the meaning. This is why it builds up the church. And then it teaches us, if this would build to the church, if this tells us who God is and gives us a revelation from God and shows us truth and shows us the meaning, then all of a sudden things begin getting shaped. All of a sudden we can't just do whatever we want, however we want, whenever we want. All of a sudden we start seeing things come to shape. Now, if you read the rest of chapter 14, you will see that their worship service, their time when they gathered together probably wasn't like ours. They had multiple speakers. They would spend the majority of the day together because many of them would travel miles and miles and miles by foot or wagon or horse uh, or donkey to get where they were going. So, you know, making the most of the time you had together was a pretty big deal. And their gatherings probably didn't have, you know, a certain color carpet, a certain shade of pew, the, uh, the weight of things had changed. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't have PowerPoint or any of that kind of stuff. You know, they would have the, the dependence on God's Word being proclaimed faithfully. And Paul says, Whenever that happens, it must be done in an order. It must be done with clarity. Because in the church, there are going to be some that are really new to the faith. And then there's going to be those that are being uh, teaching those that are new to the faith that are older in the faith. And then you're going to have some that are completely, don't even have any faith. They're just come with questions. They've just been seeing this people that have had favor with God and men, and they're looking for answers. And so what you need to do is going to be shaped when we're together. So two principles emerge about our worship based on biblical prophetic proclamation. One, when we're together, it's not about being selfish. It should never be selfish that church is about or worship is about me, me, me. Obviously, we want answers. Obviously, we need help. Obviously, we're coming desperate and and something's going to change in us. But if our whole view of worship is selfish, and if it is only affecting me, I don't care about anybody else and their growth in this, then we've obviously missed a point. Verses 13 through 18 condemns this, this attitude, this direction. But it also not only must be, never be selfish, it must be intelligible. It must be clear that what is said articulates the needs of people, articulates the character of God. 
And when that is clear, what happens, according to verse 19, is men and women become convicted of their sin. See, here's the thing. Whenever God's Word holds up His character, His name, and then it shows us His standard, all of a sudden we look at that and we can't help but bring this little comparison here and be like, oh man, that is not the same. Our sin is brought to the forefront. Whether we like it or not, whether we like to talk about particular sin, that difference between us and God, that missing His standard, and make no mistake, the Bible tells us that there aren't some good that make the mark, and then there's some that are really bad that will never make the mark. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's going to bring that conviction. And then we're left with, oh, not only oh man, but oh no. What am I going to do? Because when we see sin we, and we see God, all of a sudden we see not only the difference in that conviction, but we realize if He's who He says He is, He's going to do something about this. And I'm probably definitely not going to like that. Because He's good. He's holy. He's just. And He's not going to let wrongdoing escape. It's going to bring a, me under a sense of judgment. And it's going to show the secrets of our heart. Because here's the thing. We can often put on a good face, right? I can put on a smile. I can wave. I can be polite when I want to be. Even people that just make me absolutely furious. I can be nice in public. Those people that get right there under your skin and just like feel like they're pulling up a fingernail. You're like, it really hurts, but I'm going to be the bigger person. We can put on a good face. But here's the thing. With God's Word... It peels all of that back. See, the Bible says that God's Word is living and active and it's able to pierce like a two-edged sword to the very depths of the heart. It's going to reveal that wide open. There's no escape from it. Even if we can still smile and put on a good face around those around us, we know what God's Word does to our hearts. And it can leave us wrecked. But this is where it reveals the clarity of the Gospel. That this God who is good, who is holy, who is just, who is magnificent, who is powerful, who is infinite. He sees those that fall short of the glory of God and all the offense of their sin. And He says, I love you so much that I'm willing to send Myself as the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and I'm going to do what's necessary to bring judgment to that sin, to what, what will deal with those parts of the heart. I'm going to go to the cross for you because there's a need for atonement. There's a need for reconciliation. Of being made right. And a payment's gonna to have to be made to make this right. Just as if you had committed some traffic violation and a fine was there, there, you know, the judge wouldn't be considered a pretty good judge if he said, ah, don't worry about it. It's not good. Just go keep driving bad. You know, that's alright. He's gonna bring that fine. He's gonna bring that payment up there. If he's good and he holds to the law. God is good. He holds to that law. And his son paid that penalty, but the good news is, it's God that did it for us. Because if it was just God going and dying on the cross, that would be a beautiful picture. But how would we know that it actually took care of the problem? The fact that He died in our place, took care of the payment, but the fact that He rose from the grave shows us it took care of the problem because He took care of the problem of sin, our sin. He took care of the problem of death, our death. And He took care of the issue that says there can be life forever. We can be made right with God. And when that happens, when God's Word is faithfully proclaimed and people hear it and they, they share with them this proclamation, it brings men and women to their knees before God and saying, thank you for this great gift of grace. 
Only a God like you could do that. Because here's the last thing. Prophetic proclamation, it reveals to us the God of peace. How many of you want peace? I think all of us want peace in some form or fashion. But our idea of peace is like the removal and absence of any conflict. God, just do away with all the conflict. But here's the problem. If that was the God that we really wanted, that we say we want, we say, God, get rid of all the conflict and just bring peace. You know what happens? Boom, we're all gone. Because all of our sin is the problem. All of our sin is the conflict. All the things of the world, that would be gone. But what God does is He brings peace in the middle of the conflict. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, while there was still the conflict, Christ died for us. He demonstrated His love for us in that manner. And what we see when we see the God of peace brought together, the God who brings order, the God who shapes our lives, the God who gives us His Word, the God that leads us to worship Him, we see a God of peace, a God of order that brings the truth of redemption. That He fulfilled the promise that He made even in the garden that one day He was going to send a Redeemer. And all these words that are in this Bible are pointing to the One that is the Redeemer. It's pointing us to the redemption and the Redeemer that is Jesus. It's going to bring us to the idea of reconciliation. That what God did on the cross was for making us reconciled to Him. That we were separated because of our sin, but God brought eternal life. He brought restoration through that. And lastly, He brings us restoration. It shapes us to the, the, the direction that God fully intended us to live. Are we going to get it right? No. Not always. Are we going to still stumble and fall? Yeah, probably sometimes. Is it still going to be difficult to live in this world? Yes. But here's the thing. When we faithfully have someone in our lives that are proclaiming this, and when we're faithfully proclaiming it to others that desperately need it, and that all of us can do because God has provided it to us, we're going to help them show that there is a way in the middle of all of that. There's a way. And God is the God of peace that helps us to find redemption reconciliation, restoration, because God faithfully proclaims His good news. He's faithfully proclaimed it to us. Now our job is to faithfully proclaim it to others. We can all be a part of that. Some will be better at it than others. That's okay. But we can all participate. And God's church will be built up when we do. Communities will be changed when we do. People will know the God of peace when we do. Let's do. Lord God, today I ask that as we come to this point of response and, and come to the close of this worship gathering today on this day in April, I pray that You would help us to respond faithfully to You, to Your Word. And that, God, we would see the power that is in it, not just knowing it for ourselves, but speaking and proclaiming it to others. The responsibility that is within that, that You have gifted us with. God, let us not forget that, that oh, when we can teach God's Word, that it's, and we don't just be like, oh, that's not a big deal. It's a super big deal. But it's one that brings joy and, 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 and healing and comfort and strength and encouragement. God, help your church be built up, but help it be built up in the right way. According to your word. By being faithfully proclaimed. And faithfully lived out. Jesus, help us do that. Help our eyes open. In Jesus' name, amen.